as you are, let's take our Bibles and open them to Romans chapter 12. We'll be returning to Romans chapter 12 this evening for the preaching of the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, and as you look to that passage of Scripture, I want to ask you to look down to verse number 12 with me again. And follow along as I read this verse as our text this evening. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 12. The Bible declares, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. We are looking at this verse of Scripture where Paul identifies three responses characteristic to the transformed life in response to the events and experiences of life, especially those that we would not choose for ourselves. Do you ever have Events and experiences in life like that, you would not have chosen them for yourself. I know that I do. There are some things that I have gone through in life that I just assume not go through, not experience, not have to live. But we all have those experiences, don't we? We all go through events like that. We were challenged in this passage with the first response characteristic to the transformed life, rejoicing in hope. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have reason to rejoice. We can rejoice and we should rejoice regardless of the events and experiences that we go through. We can do this because we are not rejoicing in the events and experiences themselves, But we are rejoicing in hope. The foundation or the basis of our rejoicing is tied to our relationship with Jesus Christ and what we have through him. Well, what do we have through him that would lead us to rejoice? We have hope. Hope, that confident expectation. What is it that we have confident expectation of or in we saw that our hope is always connected to the resurrection the reality that jesus christ arose from the grave three days after his substitutionary and sacrificial death for us and so we have hope because of the resurrection we have hope connected to god's promises As you read and study the scripture, you'll find promise after promise that we can claim and cling to as we go through life's experiences and events. Our hope is connected to the Bible. The truth of God revealed on its pages, especially the truths of the character and work of God, brings hope to our hearts. Our hope is also connected to God's glory. We are in awe of his glory as we see it all around us. But friends, can I remind you that someday we will bask in and share in his glory. In new, unimaginable ways when we're in heaven with him. And then our hope is connected to salvation. We are saved 
by hope, Paul wrote. And so as we go through the events and experiences of our lives, we should rejoice in hope. But there is a second characteristic of the transformed life in response to events and experiences. Look again at our text, Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Read the next phrase with me, would you? Patient in tribulation. Say that again. Patient in tribulation. And so the second response is patient in tribulation. If you're keeping notes, you might jot down number two, this word, endure. During my off day, which is typically on Monday this week, we met up with my parents, my family and I, and took a picnic lunch to a local fishing hole. And over the past, I don't remember if it was two years ago or just this past year, 2021, when we took the kids and allowed them to use the fishing poles and start to get their feet wet a little bit, learning how to fish, but we, we've started doing that with our children, Michael, Evelyn, and Brooklyn, each having a fishing pole and trying to figure out how to cast it into the water and teaching them about what it means to wait for the fish to hit the bait and then set the hook and reel in the fish and all of those things. But sometimes when we do that together, we take a picnic meal, many times a lunch, and we'll get to that fishing spot and we'll get all of our things set up. And, and the rule is, we're all going to eat our lunch before we start fishing. So the kids know that. Now they're excited about fishing. And if you've had young children, which I think applies to most everyone in this room, you know that when you're excited about something, to have to do one or two or three other things before you get to that thing is hard to do. But we got there Monday and we got everything laid out. We got a blanket and some chairs and got our food out and we started eating. And they knew, all right, we need to finish lunch before we get to fishing. Well, Brooklyn had only asked for a half sandwich for her lunch and she ate it very quickly. So while everyone else is still eating and visiting and carrying on, Brooklyn was just walking around the edge of the water, just looking about, checking things out, looking into the water, looking around at the, just the scenery and what was, what was right around there. Several times she asked the question, Daddy, is it time to get my fishing stuff ready? And several times I had to remind her, Brooklyn, we're going to wait till everybody is done eating before we start fishing. And yet it, it happened again and again. She asked the question. Finally, at one point, she came over and she plopped down in one of the camping chairs and asked the question again. Daddy, is it time to get the fishing stuff ready? And I said, Brooklyn, everybody is going to finish their lunch before we get the fishing stuff ready. And as she sat there in one of the camping chairs, she just shook her head and she said, it's so hard to wait. How many of you have ever felt that way? Yes. I think we've all had that experience, haven't we? Where we have had to wait on something. Or wait on 
someone. And we find it difficult to wait. We struggle to wait for much of anything. We go to a fast food restaurant and we still don't get our food fast enough. You go to a sit down restaurant and sit down and you expect to get your food there as fast as you think you should have gotten it at the fast food restaurant. We struggle to wait. We're a society of clock watchers. We look at our watch while we're sitting at a red light, wondering how much longer this is going to be. We look at the time during services and can't believe how long the preacher is preaching. We keep our eye on the time while we're waiting on our food and can't believe how long we have to wait. Stephanie enjoyed, I believe it was Sunday afternoon, as we were getting ready for church and as many moms i'm sure do she spends her time pretty much making sure everybody else is ready to go and then takes time to make sure she's ready to go so we had gotten all the kids ready and we were all ready to go waiting for a little while on mom and after a few minutes michael was sitting at the table and he asked me the question daddy is it time to go and i said no we need to give your mommy a few more minutes to get ready to go a few minutes later, Stephanie came out and Michael looked at her and said, Finally, it took forever, Mom. That's the way we are. We struggle to wait. We watch the time. We spend all of our time looking forward to the next exciting thing. We fail to live in the moment. And then when we get there, we look back and wonder where all the time went. You ever have a vacation planned and you're looking forward to that vacation and it's like counting down the days for the vacation? Counting down the days for Christmas? Counting down the days till school's out for the year? And then you finally get there. You've been so looking forward to that moment. You've missed the little moments day by day. And then you find yourself wondering, where did all the time go? It disappeared right before us on we, as we focused on what was coming. Isn't this typically how we limit the meaning of patient? If you were to define patience, how might you define it? Many times we would simply say waiting. Or if, if, you're, if you're really into patience, you might define it this way, waiting with a good attitude. Maybe you've used that with your kids. Hey, being patient's not just waiting, it's waiting with the right attitude, waiting with a good spirit. Well, is that all patience is? When Paul speaks to us in Romans chapter 12 and says patient in tribulation, is he simply meaning wait or even wait with the right attitude? Friends, there's far more to the biblical idea of patience than this. Not just waiting. Not just waiting with the right attitude. There's more to it than that. In fact, that original word translated patient in this text literally means to stay under, to remain. It's used figuratively in the language with the sense to undergo, to bear trials, to have fortitude, to persevere. One scholar defined it this way. 
it's not as a passive putting up with things, but an active, steadfast endurance. So I want you to catch this. Patience, in the biblical meaning, is not waiting for something so much as it is working through something or working until something. Not so much just sitting back and waiting for something, but working through something or working until something comes to be or comes to pass. As you study the Bible, there are two main biblical illustrations of patience. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. You know their names. The Old Testament example is Job. The New Testament example is Jesus. The New Testament actually speaks of Job and his patience when it says this in James chapter 5, verse number 11. The Bible declares, Behold, we count them happy or blessed, which, what? Endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job is a tremendous example for us because of what we learn from him as well as what we learn of the Lord. When you're going through trial, when you're going through, as he says in Romans chapter 12, tribulation, when you're going through one of life's events or experiences, especially one that you would not choose for yourself, Job is a tremendous example for us, not only because of what we learn from him, but because of what we learn about the Lord in Job's story. And friends, can I remind you right here that the Lord is involved in your story. I don't know all the details of your story, but I know someone who does, God. And can I remind you that God is involved intimately in all the details of your story. Let's think about Job's story for just a moment. Here in James chapter 5, the Apostle James speaks about his patience, his endurance. How did Job exemplify patience or endurance as he went through tribulation? Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, familiar verses, but let's see what they have to say. The Bible declares, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not nor charged God Foolishly, What do we see about the patience or the endurance of Job as he experienced great tribulation, as he went through an event, an experience of life that certainly he would not have chosen for himself? I want you to notice just a couple of thoughts. Job worshipped the Lord. 
when that event all began to unfold and he lost everything in a matter of moments. He lost his wealth. He lost loved ones. In a matter of moments, Job's life was turned completely upside down. Much as your life and mine are at times. The Bible declares to us that Job fell on the ground and he worshipped. In that moment, he fell to his face, to his knees before God, and he worshipped and blessed the name of God. Not only that, in that verse 22 there, in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. I would say this, Job exemplified patience by worshiping the Lord, but also did so by remaining faithful to the Lord. It is a sad but all too common occurrence that professing believers in Jesus Christ will, in times of trial and tribulation, at times, run away from God. Get away from God. Get away from spending time in personal worship. Get away from the house of God. Get away from their fellowship with the Lord. Get away from prayer. Get away from thanksgiving before the Lord and praising his name. Not Job. When all of this fell on Job, Job worshiped the Lord and the Bible says he remained faithful to the Lord. He endured through that trial. But we also learned something about God in Job's story. I want you to think about this, the purpose of the Lord. James chapter 5 points this out. He says, as he speaks of Job, we've heard of the patience of Job. And understand, he's still talking about the context of Job's example when he says, and have seen the end of the Lord. What's he talking about here? He's talking about God's purpose. Now here's the reality. As you read the story of Job, from Job 1 all the way through chapter 42, never in the book of Job does God reveal his purpose. Never does God say to Job, Job, this is why I allowed you to endure these things. Never does God tell Job, Job, I know you dealt with some trials and some difficulties here. I know you lost some of your kids. I know you lost wealth. I, I understand all that. And Job, I want you to understand exactly why that happened. God never did that. Never revealed the why to Job. Never revealed the purpose. And yet, the Apostle James says that you and I see the end of the Lord. We see the purpose. Now understand what James is saying. He's not saying that you and I can look and see the purpose of God's testing of Job. The truth is, we don't see it completely. Here is what James is saying. Though the purpose of testing is not always revealed, what is revealed to us in the Bible is that testing always has a purpose. You may not get the answer this side of glory. You may not have all the details about why God allows everything into your life that he allows. But what the Bible 
does share with us is this truth. If God allows something into your life that would qualify as a trial, that would qualify as tribulation, He has a purpose. It's always intended by God for good. I love what Spurgeon said about trial. He described it this way. He said, if a man were to attack me with a knife, I would resist him with all my strength and count it a tragedy if he succeeded. Yet if a surgeon comes to me with a knife, I welcome both him and his knife. Let him cut me open, even wider than the knife attacker, because I know his purpose is good and necessary. What's Spurgeon saying? Sometimes we respond to trials and tribulations like God is a knife attacker. When God is that surgeon, he's coming to us and it's purposeful, it's necessary. We may not always know what the purpose is, but God reveals to us that there is always a purpose and it is always good for our good. We also learn from the example of Job, not only his patience, he worshiped the Lord and remained faithful, the purpose of the Lord, but I want you to see, we see the personality of the Lord. James 5.11, he goes on and he says that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. The language identifies God as being great in tenderness and mercy. Friends, anytime you and I go through an event or experience of our life that we would not choose for ourselves, we need to understand this. We have a God who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. We have a God who is tender with us. The, the, the language is, is so deep, we can't even get the entire picture in the English language, in the Greek culture and language, uh, whereas we might talk, talk about something like love you with all my heart, in their culture and language, it actually deals with the bowels, the seat of the emotions. And, and this statement has the idea of many bowels, God's tenderness and love for us. He's sensitive, he's compassionate. It's beyond ability to completely comprehend and understand just how tender and and how much compassion and how merciful god is with us and so we learn from the example of job in the same way we are called upon to learn from the example of jesus hebrews 12 2 and 3 looking unto jesus author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him what endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest he be wearied and faint in your mind we're called to look to jesus to learn from his example to consider it and apply it to our lives and so friends understand patience is not passive waiting it is an active endurance as we go through events and experiences of life that we would not choose for ourselves. Now, let's talk for a moment about what we are to have patience in. What did he say there in Romans chapter 12? Patient in tribulation. 
What is that? What is tribulation? We talk about it at times. Perhaps, I don't know, small room, small group in here, but perhaps you got up this morning and you prepared to go somewhere and you went out to your vehicle and tried to start your vehicle and the, and the engine didn't turn over. And your immediate thought was, great, what did I do to deserve this trial? A coworker was a little cross with you. Oh, I'm going through such tribulation. Are all those little frustrations of life tribulation? You know, pastor, they add up. It really feels like it. I understand, but tribulation in the biblical sense is more than that. The word literally means pressure. We, we might refer to those daily events and experiences as tribulation, but is everything we experience that is a frustration a tribulation? <laughs> no. In fact, this is the same word that is used to describe the tribulation of revelation that this world is going to endure. This is talking about intense difficulties and pressures. One wrote it this way, Tribulation denotes not some minor pinprick, but deep and serious trouble. We might say tribulation is the expression of an event or experience of life that is life shattering and life-altering. The loss of someone close to us that, that alters and shatters our lives. A hurt or a betrayal that runs so deep that we carry the memory and the trauma of it with us for years afterward. Not just a frustration at work, but showing up at work to find out that we're no longer employed there. Not, not just a scratch when we stub our toe or have a paper cut, but when we go into the doctor's office and hear the words that would scare us all to our very core. These are tribulations. It's in these experiences that we are called upon to be patient. How do we endure through events and experiences that qualify as tribulation? We need to recognize that tribulation, unlike anything else, accomplishes positive results in our lives. Friends, if I can just simply say it this way, there are, there are areas of growth, spiritually, personally, that you can experience through tribulation that you cannot experience anywhere else. Think about the truths the Bible reveals to us. Number one, tribulation produces endurance. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor. We're supposed to be patient in tribulation. To endure in tribulation. Now you're saying tribulation produces endurance. Which is it? Yes. It's both. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 5, verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Be patient in tribulation. Tribulation worketh patience. How does that work? Well, it's actually a concept that I think we can understand simply. If you've ever done any type of 
fitness training, any type of weight training, anything, whether it is cardio-type fitness training or weight training, is referred to as resistance. If you are building weight, let's, let's say you're doing some bicep curls where you're taking weight and keeping your, your arm pressed against your side and you're just curling weight. That weight adds resistance. And as you do that over and over again, you are building endurance toward that resistance. So whereas when you first get started, you might be just doing a couple of pounds over and over again. But as you build up your endurance to that resistance, you add more weight to where you're doing five pounds, and then maybe eight pounds, and then maybe 10 pounds and 12 pounds. The more you work out, the more you increase your endurance to the resistance. What is Paul saying? Be patient in tribulation. Endure through tribulation. As you endure through tribulation, that tribulation produces endurance so that you can endure more resistance, endure more tribulation. So it's a positive result. Tribulation produces endurance. Secondly, notice this. Tribulation prepares us for ministry. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. The Apostle Paul writes this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Pause there for a moment. Aren't you thankful tonight that we have a God of comfort? A God who comforts us. He goes on in verse number four and he says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. When you go through tribulation, God himself is present to comfort you. But then he goes on and he says these words, That we, there's a purpose for it. We experience the comfort of God so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you know what Paul says about tribulation? As you experience tribulation, and more than that, as you endure tribulation, tribulation prepares you to minister to someone else going through tribulation. Prepares you to be able to offer comfort, encouragement, exhortation, edification, building them up. It prepares you for ministry. Notice number three, tribulation prompts us to pray. Tribulation drives us to the throne of God. Do you think it's by accident that in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need? In time of need, we are driven to the throne to seek God's help. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3 as he wrote to the church at Ephesus. Listen to what he says carefully. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you. So, so, so catch this. Paul says, I am going through tribulations for you, but I don't want you to faint because of my tribulations. I don't want you to give up and to become weary and well-doing because of what I'm going through. And for that, Paul says this, which is your glory, for this cause. For what cause, Paul? 
so that you won't faint at my tribulations. So that you won't give up and grow weary when you see the challenges and the difficulties. What did Paul do? For this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Was Paul just kneeling to kneel? No, the inference is there. Paul was kneeling in prayer. Tribulation drove Paul to prayer, not only for himself, but for others. That they would not faint when they saw his tribulations. That they wouldn't faint when they saw the difficulties and the challenges. Folks, tribulation has this positive result. It drives us to pray. And then I want you to see, fourthly, this thought, so good, tribulation partners us with Jesus. Tribulation partners us with Jesus. You know the text, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul, as he prayed that the thorn in the flesh would be removed from him, says that Jesus responded, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Tribulation. Those events and experiences of life that you would not choose for yourself, unlike anything else, prepare and enable you to be empowered with the power of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul spoke of, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. By Christ, the Spirit of Christ. And so think of the positive results of tribulation. Tribulation produces endurance. Tribulation prepares us for ministry. It prompts us to pray. It partners us with Jesus. How can I endure? When I'm going through this event, when I'm going through this experience, I wouldn't choose for myself. It's hard. It's difficult. Yes, it is. But recognize tonight that God is using that in your life to produce positive characteristics in you. Characteristics that you'd not be able to have apart from that challenge that you're going through. I may be speaking to some tonight who don't know Jesus as Savior. I wonder what your response to the difficulties of life is anchored to. Only Jesus gives us reason of any kind for a hopeful response. If you don't know him, come to him. But if you are saved, if you know Jesus Christ... Your response to events and experiences of life, especially those you wouldn't choose for yourself, identifies where you are living and what you are living for. We spoke of this last week. Are you living simply seeking for comfort here in this life or recognizing that you're intended for something else? God is preparing you for heaven, for eternity, where you are designed 
to be. Live in Christ always on the altar that you might be enabled to respond by rejoicing, but now also by enduring. Would you bow your heads for prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had tonight to spend time in the Word of God. Thank you for what you teach us through it. And I pray you would help us to take the truths that we've heard, apply them to our lives, and go from this place, even as we may be going through experiences and events that we did not choose and would not choose for ourselves. Help us to go determined to endure, not in our strength, but in the strength you provide in Christ by your Spirit. Thank you so much for your truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray.